Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right, we have another guest speaker with uh, uh, with us this morning. I hope you guys are excited. This individual, he has never spoken here at Freedom Valley, okay? But he is no stranger to especially the staff and maybe some of you, all right? His name is Jake Curlin, all right? He is with us from Philadelphia. Yeah, give him a hand. He is joining us from Philadelphia, where he served the past eight years at Victory Church, first as a youth pastor, and now he's serving as the associate pastor. He's uh, one of Aaron and Candace's oldest friends and uh, one of Aaron's college buddies. They were in a band together, and he is here to share a message with us. And also, I hope you guys are ready to take some notes, okay? So if you guys have the FVE Church app, you guys can go ahead and uh, open that and take notes, because Candace will be taking notes in, in real time, and you guys can follow along with her. Hope you guys are excited. Can you please help me welcome Jake Curlin? Well, Freedom Valley, it is great to be here in the house of the Lord today. How about that worship session? My goodness. I hope you were ministered to. I hope that uh, you really encountered the Lord this morning. Um, I am just really excited that I get to be here on Sunday and get to uh, bring the word of the Lord. And I just want to brag on your pastor for a moment. I know you guys love him, but I just want to say how much I love your pastor, your staff here at Freedom Valley. They are wonderful. They are anointed. You guys are blessed. Look at someone beside you and say, you're blessed. You're blessed because you have an amazing group of people who are concerned with your spiritual well-being. And so I love them. I care for them. They're some of my oldest friends, and um, it's just really great to be at our church this morning. So so as I said, uh, as... uh, uh, I said, my name is Jacob. I am the assistant pastor at Victory Church in Philadelphia. And uh, yeah, I am just very, very excited to be here. Um, I want to take a quick survey before we get into the word, before we get into the message today, if we could. See, I like to tell stories. I like to kind of get uh, involved. I like a little interaction. See, I'm outside. I'm not on the outsides of, uh, or the outskirts of Philadelphia. And so our church, we get a little bit rowdy. We get a little bit interactive. And so I'm okay with you. And I also, by the way, I was a youth pastor for a long time. So I'm used to people shouting, distracting things as I preach. So it's okay if you guys want to start shouting like, oh, you're so good looking. Well, I know that. I mean, come on. But if you want to shout out things like I am good, I'm good with that. Okay. So we can get a little interactive. Can we get a little interactive today? Is that cool? All right, good. So today I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been in like a grocery store or a doctor's office or a public setting, a public place where someone, a complete stranger, has a child and they're in full-on meltdown mode, like complete and total tantrum, and somehow you are now thrust as collateral damage into the sphere of terribleness. Have you ever been in that situation? Okay. Most of us have. Most of us have been there. And most of us, no, you know, normal, polite people, 
Most of us just kind of give a little side eye, you know, as we go by it. But I want to ask you, by show of hands, how many of you, when you're in that situation, this kid's just completely melting down, how many of you are just tempted, tempted, Not, I'm not saying that you would do this, but tempted to go over and just smack that kid as hard as you can? Like, anybody here? All right. All right, see, that was a test. Start, keep your hands up because I want you to look around. None of these people will be working in your children's ministry. All right, we're, we're good. But, but I'm sure your youth pastor will like that mentality, so maybe he can use you in that area. But yeah, mo I mean, maybe not all of us would want to hit the kid. Uh, obviously, I'm not advocating child abuse or anything like that. Please don't misunderstand me. But most of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, most of us would look at that situation, and it runs through a head like, this is how I would handle that situation. Right? This is how I would handle that situation. Not even knowing the full story of what's going on. I, I would do this. This is how, and my kid would never do that, right? Parents and non-parents alike, that's what our mindset goes to. And what I want to talk to you about today, and where I'm really kind of going to uh, lead us along, if we can go along together, is sometimes spiritually, that's where we land. When we're going through a storm or crisis or grief in our lives, sometimes we go through this mentality of like, I know how to handle this. I got this. I can take care of this. When in all reality, we are like the petulant child that's thrown a tantrum in our response to God. Hmm. And so, yeah, I already went in. I already started going in. We're in church today, all right? So uh, we're going to open up our Bibles, if you can, to John chapter 11. Um, before we get in again, I just want to—I just want to give you a quick disclaimer, because I, we're going to be talking about Lazarus, and we're going to be talking about maybe some grief, maybe some hard times, maybe some challenges, maybe storms in our lives. And where I really don't want you to walk away with is like I know that we've had a tough two years, right? We've all been through it. We've all experienced loss. And where I don't want you to land is in an area where you feel like you're not allowed to grieve. In my role at Victory Church, I am a, a part of a big part of what I do there is I do pastoral counseling and I do prayer with people. And a lot of times when people come in grieving or upset or going through those storms, they feel like they're, they're so, like so apologetic, like, oh, I'm so sorry I'm upset. No, don't be sorry you're upset. The Bible tells us that we're allowed to be upset. The Bible tells us that we're allowed to grieve. There's a time for it. So don't walk away today thinking that that's what I'm saying today, that you cannot be upset or you can't grieve because that's not what I'm saying today. So please don't walk away with that. I want you to walk away with hope. I want you to walk away understanding and knowing God better. I want you to walk away confidently. 
All right, so that's, that's just my quick disclaimer because I want us to know God more. So today we're going to be looking at the well-known story of Lazarus. And guys, this story has so much meat in it. I could write an entire sermon series just on this passage alone because it's so good. And we're going to read the entirety of the Lazarus story, 1 through 44. And I know it's a long passage, but first off, God's word never returns void. God's word is amazing. I don't even need to speak. Like, my, my words are nothing compared to his word. All right? So I want to read this whole passage. I want us to get what we can from it, and I'm going to give some insight on it. But really, I want us to just get what we can out of, of, out of the word of God. So I know it's long, but I, got, I believe God's going to speak to you through his word in these next few moments. So when we're finished, I'm going to be focusing on a small portion of, of John 11, but let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then let's get into the word. So God, we thank you that you are in our waiting moments in our lives. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the living word. Break down our walls today and help us receive from you supernatural hope that can only come from your Holy Spirit. Open us up to what you have to impart on us today. Thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names. Amen. All right, let's get into the word right now. We're going to be going from John, like I said before, John 11, starting with verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This was the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. And finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. And his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going to go there again? And Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, the people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. And then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I'll go wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get be soon get better. And they thought Jesus had meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you'll really believe. Come, let's go see him. So Thomas, nicknamed the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. And then G when Jesus arrived in Bethany, he was told Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. And Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. And many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God 
will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told him, or told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told them. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. And then she returned to Mary. And she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. And Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha had met him. And when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. And when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. And the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man has healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And Jesus was still angry as he arrived to the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. And then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so they will believe you sent me. And then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. And his hands and feet were bound in grave cloths. And his face was wrapped in headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. And see, this is an amazing word of the Lord, and some amazing things are going on in the story. But if we look closely, it seems like there are some inconsistencies in the character of Jesus or who we know Jesus to be. What was he teaching us, and what can we learn and understand about who Jesus is and how he responds in our waiting? Today, our sermon title is, Where is God when I need him. Where is God when I need him? How does Jesus respond in our waiting moments? And the trip from where Jesus was to where Lazarus was, was only taken him one day. That's how long it would have taken him. Where Jesus was and where Lazarus was, it would only have taken him one day to see Lazarus. Why did Jesus wait? Was Jesus failing? Was he afraid to return? Did he not care enough? And we'll undress this and we'll unpack this a little bit more. But also, I want to focus on the response of, of the sisters, Mary and Martha. Because I think most of the time, when we're going through a storm, when we're going through grief, when we're going through a rough patch in our lives, most of the time, we respond like them. 
And the good news is that we can learn from this story and see Jesus come through in our waiting. I've heard it said before that every person is going into, in the middle of, or coming out of a storm in their lives. At some point, you're at one of those three junctures. You're going into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of it. And most of the time we don't know, except for when we're in the middle of that storm. Most of the time we don't know that we're coming out of it or we're going into it. But this is what God tells us in his word. 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. That means that as the author of love, every move that he makes, don't miss this, every move that he makes is in response of love, in love, from love. So our point, our first point today is that love waits. We think that love must act immediately, but sometimes delay brings greater blessing. Sometimes delay brings greater blessing. Jesus' love is patient with us, and we need to know how to be patient in our waiting. About 15 years ago, before I was in full-time ministry, I worked as an executive for CVS Pharmacy. And uh, it's pretty funny because uh, if anyone knows me, they know I'm a little bit goofy. I like to tell stories. I like to kind of take it easy. But in my position at CVS Pharmacy, I was very strict. I was very business-oriented. I was very one-track-minded. I had to have organizational skills, so I had to be very serious. I had to wear a suit and tie every day. It was really just counter to my care, my real character. It was very, uh, it was very different. And, uh, to get to that position, firstly, I had to work in a store right on the outskirts of Philadelphia, um, as a training store. So to, to get the training that I needed to be, to be executive with the company, I had to actually train managers. And so my store was a training store and they'd send managers to that store level and I'd teach them how to, uh, work there and then send them out. So we had a very well-oiled machine of a store. And so once in a while, people would see a goofy side of me, but most of the time they'd see a, a more serious side of me. And uh, one day I was going into work. I was really excited because Girl Scouts had set up a table outside of our store. And I, I know you look at me and you think, well, that's a guy that has it all together. He has no vices. He's like Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. And you'd be right. Okay, you'd be right about that. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is that one of my biggest vices are Girl Scout cookies. And I'll tell you, the it's one cookie in particular, and that is the Caramel Delights. Anybody here like those Caramel Delights? Yeah, come on, come on, people. We're... They're in heaven, all right? I have, I have a, a notion that those caramel cookies are definitely from heaven. And so I will eat a whole, I was going to say box, I could eat a whole case of those cookies, okay? They are so flipping good. And so I decided I was going to buy three boxes that morning. And not only was I going to buy three boxes, this is so embarrassing, I was going to eat all three boxes that very morning. So I had bought three boxes, and I put them in my office, and I was so excited. Now, my office was not just for me. Um, my managers would go in and out of that office, and they'd use it for all sorts of stuff. And I had a special training that day, so I couldn't dig into those cookies right away. 
And so as I'm getting prepared, I had some of my managers come up to me and they said, hey, uh, Jake, can, can I have some of those cookies? And everything inside me screamed, no! The reason I got these is so I didn't have to bring them home and share them with family members. I wanted them all for myself, but I didn't want to be that kind of jerk. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I'm just being honest with you. So I reluctantly took a sigh and said, yes, just make sure you leave me some, okay? I'm not, like, you can have some, but don't eat them all, all right? And so they said, okay. So then I went down into our training room, and I trained a bunch of new higher orientations. And then I got called away for a few things here and there. And when I finally got everything wrapped up, I'm like, yes. The only thing I was looking forward to that day was eating those cookies. And so I walked into my office, and I looked down, and every single box was there, and every single box was empty. Now, let me tell you, normal people would just say, all right, all right, you know what? This is what happened. This, you know, I, I, I'll deal with this. I'll go out and get another box or whatever. But man, I was so fuming mad. I called every single, I called an emergency manager meeting. I was like, all right, everybody in the office. I pull them all up into the office and I sit them all down and I start pacing. I'm like, who did it? Who did it? So angry. And everybody's just looking at me. And I'm going on and on. And as I get angrier and angrier, I'm looking at the faces of my managers. And they're covering their faces. And their shoulders are shaking. They're laughing at me. So now I'm getting really mad. Because now I'm feeling disrespected. So I'm like laying in. And I'm like, who did it? And I remember I even kicked a box. There was like an empty box in our office. I mean, I literally lost my cool. And they're laughing. And I'm like red-faced and screaming. And all of a sudden, they pull out six more boxes that they had bought me. And they were just completely and totally pranking me. If you've ever been in a situation like that where you have completely put your foot in your mouth, I mean, seriously, I felt about this big. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, this is, I mean, it's still cringeworthy to me. But why didn't I wait to respond? I could have bought another box, like I said, I could. I'm a seasoned pranker. Listen, Aaron will tell you, we went to college together. And that's pretty much all I did my entire sophomore year of college is just prank people. I should have seen it coming. But understand, this was my response to something as trivial as cookies. I'm more embarrassed how I respond when I'm in waiting moments on God and no who he is and who his character is and how he sets me up to encounter his glory every time. See, much like Mary and Martha, I'm full of doubt. Much like Mary and Martha, I'm full of fear. Much like Mary and Martha, in the crisis and the storm moments of my life, I forget the character of God. And in verse 21 and in verse 32, uh, two, they say, Lord, if you'd only been here. We sent you the letter, God. What the heck? You were only a day away. And now what? 
But let's not forget, our God is not only the author of love, but he is also the author of time, which, mean he, which means he's not confined to time like we know it. We look at time as beginning, middle, and end, and all the while waiting, waiting, waiting when God sees it all at once because he's outside of that. That's amazing, right? And it, it means when the fall of man in the garden happened, God's immediate response in his timing, don't miss this, in his time was Jesus' sacrifice. To him it's simultaneous. That is a crazy concept to get that God's timing is bigger than ours, that his timing is better. And don't you think he knows better? Don't you think he knows the outcome? He works like this for our benefit because love waits. See, our faith develops out of the most difficult aspects of our existence, not the easiest. Let me say that again, because I think we need to really understand this. I think we really need to grab a hold of this, that our faith develops out of the most difficult aspects of our existence, not the easiest. Yeah, are we using our waiting, our struggle, our crisis moments to be moments of faith building? And I'm not talking about those moments where we go to God in crisis and we ask him to save us and we ask him to intervene from us or, or, or intervene in those moments or spare us from it, which is appropriate, by the way. Don't miss me on this. It is appropriate to bring those moments to God, but sometimes it's not always the plan. If I was honest with myself, I would say, no, Jesus, I want this fixed now. Don't you know I'm a busy man? Can't we just get this over with? I've got a lot of things on my plate right now, and I don't need another thing to push me over the edge. Or maybe the waiting is pushing me closer to him so I can learn to understand his character more. Maybe the waiting is so that I don't treat my faith like a slot machine. Maybe the waiting is so that I don't substitute anything for what only Jesus can give. None of us do that, right? See, his character is better. And our doubt and our worry and our impatience rob us from a miraculous encounter with Jesus. And a lot of time when we're in the midst of our storms and we're waiting and waiting and waiting to hear from God, but we're never really listening. Desperately, we're trying to pray our way out of a situation, neglecting the opportunity to just wait and see something amazing, and that is the works of Jesus. See, sometimes we are so, so, uh, so wrapped up in what's going on that we miss it. So much bigger than ourselves. So much bigger than our troubles. So much better. And God's delays are not always God's denials. Jesus gave a promise here in verse 4. He said, this will not end in death. And to everyone around him, it seemed like he'd failed. But Jesus knew what he was doing. Jesus knows what he's doing and you're waiting too. Believe it. And that doesn't mean he's not listening to our cries either. Because our second point today is love hears and responds. See, God's love 
keeps his ears open to the cries of our hearts. In Psalm 116, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2, it says, The Lord bends down and he listens. The Lord is bending down to listen to you today. I have two children. Uh, I have a little girl, a little daughter. Her name is Maribel. She's nine years old. And then I have a 12-year-old son named Ari. And they're wonderful children. We are truly blessed with amazing kids. I mean, seriously, they are the sweetest kids you'll ever meet. They have such tender hearts. They're um, amazing. And I, I, I can only give it, you know, glory to God for that. Um, cause it's stuff that I'm doing to make them that way. The Lord is really, the Lord has really blessed us. And our son Ari, he's got this imagination. He's just, he's always pretending. He's always in this kind of crazy imaginary world. And so he goes around and he pretends he's fighting ogres and doing all sorts of crazy like battles and has theme music and just, you know, it's just fun to watch. And, um, one year, uh, it was around Christmas time. We had asked him, he was around three years old. We had asked him to, uh, write out a Christmas list. Now he couldn't write, so he would, he decided he was going to draw pictures of what he wanted. And so he drew all these pictures and he gave it to me and I looked at it and I couldn't understand what any of it was. So I looked at it and I'm like, Oh, so you want a baby doll? And he's like, No, I want a transformer. You know, so I, 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 I could, I needed him to decipher these hieroglyphics that he had, he had given me. And, uh, and there was one that I just, I didn't know what it was. And so I said, Ari, what is this? And he said, It's a sword. And I said, oh, okay, because, you know, he pretends with a sword. And I said, well, Ari, you have, like, five or six play swords. Like, why do you need another one, you know? Like, if you want another one, is, is there a particular one you want? And he says, yeah, there is. I want a real sword. Now, I watch true crime documentaries a lot. And, and I know that these are how the serial killer stories start. It's like, oh, he's a nice kid. He used to go out and play with the neighbor's cat and then it disappeared. I, I just had these visions of like just awfulness. And I'm like, buddy, all right, why, you're three years old. What in the world would you want a real sword for? And he looks at me in sweet, caring eyes. He says, to protect you and mommy. Ah, right. That's that's what we say. Ah, now I gotta tell you, for a moment there, it flashes in my head. Well, could I get him a real sword? Because he's so sweet, and I just love him so much. But the fact of the matter is that if <laughs> I mean. Obviously, I'm not going to get him a real sword, and I, I, I still have not. He's 12 years old, and that's never going to happen. I love my kid. I absolutely love my kid, and I know that he would never intentionally hurt anyone. But would I give him a real sword? Absolutely not. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I don't care about him or don't trust him, but everything to do with the truth that I do. See where I'm going with this, church? Is that sometimes we ask God for a sword, 
And it's no good for us. And God knows better. Better than we do. See, God's always looking out for our good, but more importantly, his glory in our situations. And this is what we need to remember as we go through hardships. Jesus talks about Lazarus' death. And he says, this is for God's glory. This is for God's glory. When Mary and Martha sent for Jesus to come and heal their brother Lazarus, he was on his literal deathbed. And why did Jesus wait until Lazarus actually died and was buried before he went out and raised him from the dead? Is he sadistic? Is he nonchalant about our suffering? No, it's because Jesus already knew what he was going to do for Lazarus before Lazarus was even born. He already knew what he was going to do. He knew because this shows that he is capable in any situation. His glory abounds through this story and later serves proof of his own resurrection. This is difficult for us to process, especially when we're grieving. But here's a crazy fact about all of this. And this is really just awesome. This, I kind of geeked out when I started learning about uh, Jewish tradition. In Jewish tradition, if you passed away, the thought was back then that your spirit would leave your body, but kind of be a little bit tethered to you. So for about three days, your spirit would just hover over you. And then after those three days, your spirit would just move on. That was Jewish tradition. And so after three days, you're, you're, you're really done. I mean, you're, you're, you're like, for three days, you're kind of dead, but four days, you're really dead. All right. That, that, that's honest to God. That's, that's the, that was the tradition. But our God, he, he, he waits specifically for four days. Lazarus had been dead for four days, one day beyond hope. And God, our God, makes the impossible possible. He waits one day beyond hope. Four days shows a God who has resurrecting power. Mary and Martha knew Jesus as a healer, but Jesus set out to show that he is more. See, beyond all reason, Jesus shows us that he is the opposite of death. He is the living embodiment of life itself. He said, I am life. That is powerful, church. I am life, and it flows out of him, and we get to reap those benefits. Our unworthy husks get to share in the glory of resurrection power. You want more life? You want more comfort? Cling to Jesus and don't let go. Jesus asked the question of Martha, do you believe this? He wasn't asking if she believed he was going to raise Lazarus. He was asking if she believed that life itself was linked to him. Do you believe this church has eventuated death? Do we have victory over the grave through him? We need to respond with a resounding yes and praise him in the midst of our waiting. Yeah. Isn't it interesting that sometimes when we ask God for something, he lets it go so long that the only thing that possibly can be produced out of it, what you asked for, is a miracle. Why does God do that? Because he likes to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are fully devoted to him. If something's dead, a dream, a desire, a want, a need, it doesn't matter to God how dead it is. 
God can still bring it back to life in his timing because our God is an awesome God. Nothing is too hard for him. And that is why he's never in a hurry, but also why it seems he often waits until nothing will work but a miracle. And sometimes I think, sometimes I think we listen too much to the lies of the devil that says, you're not worthy. You'll never get this. You're not, you're not worthy of good things. God doesn't want to give you good things. Well, first off, the Bible tells us counter to that. The word of the Lord tells us that God wants to give us good things. But it also tells us that he will never leave us or forsake us. That his love never fails. He wants us to call him closer so we can encounter him and his miraculous power. How long have you been between miracles? My guess is too long. Church, we need to be a church of miracles. We really do. We need to be a church of miracles. We need to be a church that believes in miraculous movement. That's how the world's going to see God in us, is when we start to believe that God's going to break through in miracles, that we get to sit back, put our hands behind our head, and say, yeah, this is hard. This is tough. This is a miserable moment of my life, but I can't wait to see how Jesus handles it. I can't wait to see how Jesus breaks through. How much more of a witness would we be to our neighbor, to our family member, to that person that we want to see, have see Jesus going through us, flowing through us? But I got to tell you, on the flip side of this, some dreams have to die so that new ones can be raised to life. See, some of the things that we're trusting God to resurrect are the things that he is destined to die so that a better thing can be brought to life. Sometimes God's working out for a greater display of his glory. This comes to our third point because love sees and comforts. See, troubles are a very real part of our lives, and for most of us, they can plague our every day and keep us in fear, and fear distracts us from the Lord and keeps us in bondage. Back uh, when I was a younger teenager, uh, they had these things called cameras. You guys have heard of those before, right? Some of you, some of your old heads have heard it. But back when I was a teenager, we had cameras, and we had this thing that we'd put in these cameras, all right? It was called film. It's crazy. I know. I'm, like, blowing your minds right now. And so you'd put this film in this camera, and you'd take pictures, and then you'd wind up that film, and you take that film and you drop it off at a kiosk or a drugstore or whatever. And they take about a week or so and they develop that film. And then you'd actually get to see what you took a picture of. It's crazy. All right. So back when I was in high school, I had this like artistic, like, like I was this moody, like emo kid, like in hardcore bands and stuff. And, and I thought, you know, uh, I was like an artist. And so I was like going around town and taking these artsy like photos and thought, you know, like I was going to be like this crazy artist. And so I took these uh, round of photos and when I got them back, I'm looking at my, my artwork and, uh, and I come across a photo that I did not remember taking. 
And it was a little bit blurry, but I saw all these colors. I saw reds and greens and yellows and blacks. And I was like, oh, what the heck is this? I don't know what it is, but I knew it was art. All right. I thought this is so amazing. This is a masterpiece. I was going to get it blown up. I was going to get it framed, put it up my wall and have everybody see and say, wow, look at the artist. Look at this incredible artist. Until my younger brother, Seth, snatched it out of my hand and said, oh, my picture of my stitches didn't turn out. This is a true story. He actually had sliced his back. We were wrestling, and I threw him into plate glass. It's a long story. But he had his back all gnarled up, and he tried to take a picture of his back. (laughs) I had inadvertently saw beauty in something extremely gross and painful. But our waiting moments are probably not something that we'd want to frame or put on our walls for sure. But can I say that one of our responsibilities as Christians is to dig deeply into our troubles and find the presence of God in them who is on our side. That's our calling as Christians is that we see God in the midst of all of this. We as Christians know more about the inherent struggles of life more than others, more about the ugliness of sin. The close look, the microscopic insight into our waiting sees the action of God in deliverance. It is Christ, and don't miss this church, it is Christ, not culture, not trouble, not our issues that defines our lives. It is the help we experience, not the storms we weather that shape our days. See, back in, uh, back in the psalmist time, they would say, uh, there's, a, there's a passage in Psalm 121. It says, I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord. And the reason they said, they, they used to say, if you were going through a hard time, they'd say, look to the mountains, look to the mountains. And the reason they would say that is because if you were going through trouble, you'd go on this long trek through the desert, you'd hike through the desert, and then you'd climb up this mountain, and on top of those mountains were a bunch of idols. And you'd go and you'd sacrifice, and this whole journey was supposed to be this process, but nothing would change in anyone's life. They would go all this way and do all these things to try and get themselves out of a situation only to find themselves in the same situation once they came down off that mountain. But David, the psalmist says that, do I look to the mountains? No, I look to the Lord. That's where my help comes from. And when Jesus fed the 5,000, many saw the miraculous distribution of bread, but Jesus wanted them to see beneath the deeds to see him as the bread of life. Many experienced the moment of Lazarus walking out of that tomb and missed the promise that is held for all of humanity, that Jesus is life. Jesus wants none of us to die, but have everlasting life. Do we see the weight of this? Do we understand how huge this is? The promise of the resurrection is not that we'll never have bad seasons. It's the promise that no injury, no illness, no accident, no distress will have power over you. Over us. Romans 8 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. Not even death. 
Not even our fears for today. Not even our worries about tomorrow. Love sees and love comforts. Jesus, even in John eleven thirty five, he weeps. See, he, he mourns with us. We have to see that God sees us. He knows us as in the storm with us. And yet his response might not be what we want at the time you'd like and the way you want it. And the difference between our response and his response is that his response is always better. And here's where it gets a little bit more difficult. Hebrews tells us that Abraham didn't live to see his promises fulfilled. This is what made Abraham a pillar of faith to us. God followed through in his time. But are you willing to trust God enough that you may not see his answer in your lifetime? That's a tough question. Do you love him and trust him enough and know him enough for that? See, this doesn't make it any less painful when things happen in our lives. But our hope should rest on our knowledge of who Jesus is, who we see him and know him to be in the word and in our lives. Not, only, not what we think the answer should be. See, are you holding an accounts payable record against God? Are you blaming God for your struggles? Are you praising him through them? Is God for us? Does he keep his promises? Evil and death are the result of sin, not God's original design. He did this not to make a world filled with suffering and sickness and death. That's on us. That's harsh, but that's just the truth of life. And some of us respond like Mary and Martha, and we say, if only you were here, if only you were here, God, you could stop it all. And some of you may be thinking, well, he could still take it away. He could still get me out of this, right? Why doesn't he just show up and end all evil? it's because of our hearts. If God came and did that, then none of us would be left to tell the tale. Whew. That's really tough. See, if Jesus eradicated evil, none of us would be here. But despite that thinking, don't miss this. Jesus didn't come with a sword. He came to be slain. He didn't come to bring judgment. He came to bear our judgment. He brought life and life abundant. And we see this in the story of Lazarus. And we see this in Jesus' resurrection. And we see it when we learn to walk in resurrection power in our waiting moments. You hear Jesus calling your name. He's calling you out of death. He is calling you out of your tomb. He is calling you to him today. What in your life needs resurrecting? Give it to the resurrector. Where is God in my waiting? Well, God's here with us. We just need to move from a Lord if mentality to yes, Lord. I believe response. I'm going to invite the worship team back up and they're going to minister to you with a song. But if you're in a moment of waiting today, we're really where I want us to take a moment. And I know I went long, and, and I'm sorry if you guys have things to do. It, I, I just ask for just a, a little moment of your time, a little bit more of your time, because I really believe that God wants to break through, break some chains today, break some walls down, break some bondage today. And so if you're in a place of waiting, 
a place where you feel like there is no hope. I just want you to posture yourself. I just, I want everybody in this room, if they can, just posture yourself. Just, you, you don't have to raise your hands up high. Just put your hands out like you're receiving. Say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you in my waiting. And take that, take that thing you're waiting for on God. Take that thing you're going through, that situation, and give it to the Lord and say, God, it's yours. God, it's yours. However you work this out, it's yours. God, it's yours. And as, as the worship team ministers to us with a song, I just want you to give it to the Lord. God, it's yours. God, it's yours. Because God wants to bring resurrection life to your life today. So let's take a moment and just bring it. Give it to the Lord. Give that to the Lord. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I-N-N. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.
thank you, God. You are a God that conquers all. I have a couple of next steps I'd love to give you guys before releasing you today. And the first, before I even go into anything, I just want to say that if you are in the middle of the storm, you are not alone. You're not alone today. You have a church that loves you, that a God who sees you and knows you, and he has called you together to be a body that lifts each other up. See, the devil, what he wants to do, that's right. The devil, what he wants to do is he wants you to make you feel like you're alone. He wants to get you on the fringes, on the fringes so you can just suffer alone. And, and God's calling you into his fold. He's saying, I have life for you. I have protection for you. I have a body that wants to surround you in prayer. So what you can do is get involved in life groups at Freedom Valley, in small groups. You can get involved in all sorts of things, but don't go through your storm alone. If I can leave you with anything, don't go through your storm alone. You have people here who care about you far too much for that. Do not go through it alone. What I want you to do is, if you can, write down what you're waiting on and lift it up to God. Write it on a note card. Because sometimes we need those reminders. Because when God breaks through, sometimes we forget. We have short-term memory. We're like uh, Dory on, uh, what's that, uh, Finding Nemo, right? We sometimes forget when God has broken through. I, I write my prayer requests on a card, and I keep it in my Bible. So when God does break through, I can go back and be like, oh, man. Remember when God did that? When he made the impossible happen? So write down on a note card and continue to lift it up to God. Take moments this week to really listen to God. Don't just talk at him. Listen. Take moments to wait in his presence and allow him to speak to you. Here's another one. Uh, write down Philippians 4, 4 through 8 on a note card and put it somewhere where you'll see it every day maybe on a mirror or something, and allow it to be a reminder of who God has called you to be. So Philippians 4, 4 through 8, on a note card, and just stick it up so you can see what it says to you. And finally, come back next week and continue to grow and learn from this series. This is a church who cares about your spiritual well-being. So come back. Hear the Word of God. Grow from it. So the Lord has a blessing for you. I'd love for you to look up and receive it. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty work at work within us to accomplish infinitely more that we may ask or think glory to him and in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. We'll see you next week. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jake. Excellent word. Excellent word. If you're somebody that says, I don't know, Jesus, this seems foreign to me. You seem to be walking through the storm yourself. I want to give you opportunity to turn your life over to the Lord Jesus. It's very simple. Putting your trust in him. He's worthy. He loves you. Simply repenting, which means turning away from sin.
and walking with Him and acknowledging Him being Lord. So if this is your first time and you want to give your heart to the Lord Jesus, would you raise your hand? Ushers have a card that they want to give you. Is there anybody in the house? If you do it in your heart, put text up. There it is. I'm in. Heard a song before I came in this morning in the parking lot, and I took a little extra time to listen. And it was, when he leads, are you willing to follow when you can't see? Martha and Mary, for four days, had to wait for Jesus. They couldn't see. We see right now. This is all we can see. We can't even see an hour from now. We can only see now. So when you're in that waiting, when you're in that time, and you can't see, will you trust Jesus to lead you? Will you reach out your hand when you can't see and know that he has you? He is for you. He's taken you through. He'll bring the miracle. Hold on to the word of God. Seek him with all your heart. You can't walk that by simply walking by yourself. And maybe once in a while, this is a good meal. But if you only ate today and fasted for the rest of the week, guarantee you by Saturday, you'd be fairly weak. You got to eat every day. That means loving Jesus every day, worshiping, loving Him. Walk with Him, and it will come. Will you stand with me? We need um, one or two people, if you would, for the 22nd takeaway. Remember, there's a start class starting up. Is there anything else, Pastor Candace? Yeah, got it all. All right. Prayer team, if you will come. If you have something on your heart, if you have something you really need help with, don't walk alone. Team is here to pray with you. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word that we heard this morning that we can worship, that you are our champion. As we seek you with our whole heart, as we follow you, as we love you, that you will perform that which you started. That which you declared in your lives, you will perform it. You will bring it about that we can trust you when we can't see. Knowing that your desire, your plan for us is good. Your plan for us is to work it out. That we trust in you. Go with us this week. Let us walk in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to allow you to work through us and be the light of Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everyone. See you next week.